This episode was originally a Patreon-exclusive episode that was released on March 16th, 2023. Now, if you like this episode, we have over 160 more Patreon-exclusive episodes that you get access to for just $5 a month. Also, today we released another Patreon-exclusive episode over Tataria and the Mud Flood. So check that out, if you want, no pressure. One last thing, all references mentioned in this episode today will be located on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. I hope you all enjoy the episode. See you next week. of the third kind patreon exclusive welcome first off i want to say thank you to whomever you are listening for opening your minds to receive extra knowledge nuggets each week it means a lot to all of us and we want you to know that also before we start Since you are a Patreon subscriber, remember that you get priority in topic suggestions. So feel free to shoot those suggestions on over to us by email, or you can write us a letter and send it to our P.O. box. Either way, we will stick it in line to be considered for the topic of that week or going forward, okay? Now, before we get into today's episode over gang stalking, I just want to say, have some leniency with Daniel today. He is running a fever. He feels like death, okay? They have came after me multiple times, okay? They're like, damn, we can't get Aaron. He's resilient. So now we're going to go after Dan. And uh, he's deep in it right now. But you know what? Didn't stop him from recording because he's still here. That's right. I'm here. I'm dying, but I'm here. <laughs> he's oh, he's here, and I will give him mouth to mouth if that's necessary. I don't, I don't want it, I don't want it to spread. No, oh. but please, mouth to mouth. Okay. Anyways, so like I previously said, today's episode is over gang stalking. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk about what is gang stalking, and then we'll go into some examples of it, and then we'll go into strange facts and findings theories, and of course, wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. All around the world, thousands of individuals claim that they are being followed. The individuals following them are not normal citizens but rather unknown United States government officials and even police officers. These stalkers use high-tech weapons that can send voices into your mind, burn your skin, and even control your thoughts. Is this real-life harassment being done by government agencies, or is it all made up and caused by mental illness? This is Gang Stalking. All right, so we have received multiple emails from individuals asking us to do an episode over this topic. 
and I'll admit, okay, unless you're an individual who is being affected by this, I mean, the topic doesn't really seem that intriguing. And if you don't even know what it's about, gang stalking, I mean, you may just think it's like gangs stalking one another, but that's not the case. When you start to dig deep and expose the truth of what's happening, you start to realize that this might be one of the most bizarre things that is happening to millions of people all around the world. And the media is not talking about it at all. No, they aren't. No, and they just paint the people as crazy. So that's why we decided to cover this topic today. Okay? So to start this thing off, Dan, why don't you explain to us what exactly the topic is? All right. So what is gang stalking? Gang stalking refers to a person that is being followed, harassed, or victimized by a group of people or possibly the government agencies or even police departments. Oh, and by the way, these people that are being gang stalked, they call themselves targeted individuals, T.I. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought it was two separate things. I thought it was two separate things. But when I first read it, they just had T.I.s. I'm like, 24. Dives in clothes. Yeah, but then I read that it was targeted individuals. I was like, oh, so they have a name for themselves. And that's when we dug down this rabbit hole. And let me tell you what, I fell down it deep. So deep that I tried to get gang stalked myself. And then I realized maybe I have been gang stalked the past few years. But we'll get into that during theories. Anyways, so these people who are doing the gang stalking, they act in a coordinated and organized manner that causes the person that is being followed to fear for their safety and or for the safety of others around them. Now, I know what you're wondering. Why are these people being gang stalked? Well, it's not just for one specific reason. There are numerous different reasons. For an example, some of the main reasons for an individual to be gang stalked would be because of their, let's say, religious beliefs or because of their race, or maybe they exposed some type of corruption in their local police department or government, or maybe they're aware of some top-secret information. But like we said, the reasons vary depending on the individual. So with that being said, anyone, and I mean anyone, can be a victim of gang stalking. And then a knowledge nuggie for y'all. Gang stalking has been increasing over the past two decades. Studies show that 0.17% of men in the entire world feel that they have or are being gang stalked. Then in the same study, women report that 0.66% of them have or are being gang stalked. Okay, now that we have an understanding of what gang stalking is, let's talk about the techniques that are used on the victims. Now there is a long list of things that these gang stalkers seem to do to harass their victims. And we're not going to go over all of them because that would easily take up the entire episode. However, we are going to cover some of the most common tactics. So one of the most common tactics that is used by these gang stalkers is called following. Now, this is where the gang stalkers just repeatedly follow the victims, threatening them over and over and leaving threatening notes for them to find. These gang stalkers will go to the same places as the victims and do the exact same activity then will leave exactly at the same time, making it just seem like a coincidence. 
Another tactic that these gang stalkers use is called stimuli. Now, this tactic is where they, as in the gang stalkers, condition the victim so that they are sensitized to certain stimuli. For an example, whenever a victim goes out to take a walk somewhere, uh, a gang stalker will walk past them and cough. This might sound dumb, but the goal of this is to make the victim think that anyone who coughs is involved in the harassment. Also, there are reports that this conditioning also includes hand gestures and overt use of color in people's clothing, like everyone you see wearing red, or cars a certain color. Now, another tactic that is used is called street theater. So this is where a group will perform an activity, such as like a fake confrontation or certain scenarios that are designed to test your reactions. Now, these scenarios often take the form of a couple who position themselves near you, and then they start to have a conversation using many of your conditioned words or pertaining to your particular situation. Another tactic is sound. So this is where the gang stalkers use directional speakers, which have the ability to direct sound to a single individual in a crowded room. This particular item is ultimately the most used and is often referred to as V2K or voice to skull and is used extensively in the psychological breakdown of the victim. Now, the use of this voice to skull technology is to cause the victim to doubt their sanity and pretty much drive them into the mental health system. And later to just, you know, sort of like torment them and never give the victim a moment of privacy or peace. Now, if the victim enters a mental health system, the harassment escalates dramatically as the victim has now been, quote unquote, discredited and can be labeled as someone with a mental health problem. You know, if they decide to speak out about the harassment. So another tactic that is similar to the sound one, but a bit different is called blinding. This is the use of electronics to affect your eyesight and balance. Now, this technology does exist. However, it was developed for the military and police for the use of crowd control, and it is called dazzling. And if it is used on you, then it could actually make you vomit. Another sound tactic that is used is called sound campaigns. Now, this is a community harassment technique where abnormal levels of sounds are directed at the victim and their home. Sort of like what happened to the Branch Davidians. So if you can remember back to that episode, the Branch Davidian compound with David Koresh and all that, uh, when they were bunkered down, what the ATF and FBI did is they surrounded their homes with a bunch of speakers and they played loud, abnormal levels of sounds that were directed at them not allowing them to sleep. And these sounds were like uh, of that of rabbits getting killed and babies crying. Really messed up stuff like that. Now, including the sounds being directed at your home, these gang stalkers also have individuals talk excessively loud at all hours of the day. They also make garbage trucks and other loud vehicles deliberately pass by your house over and over again. And sometimes they have cars deliberately braking and accelerating when they pass. Which that makes me think, that shit happens all the time. All the time. How many times have we recorded do we have this 
same fucking truck start up you never hear it any other time and drive by back and forth and the crazy thing is we don't record in the morning no this is always like shoot what time is now eight for us yeah usually record a little bit earlier and that's when it happens too it's like what are they doing it's weird man now one of the most insidious tactics that is used is sleep deprivation this is where the victims are woken up multiple times a night and can ultimately be kept awake for days at a time through various methods. The effects of sleep deprivation are dramatic and affect concentration, mood, appearance, and significantly impact all areas of life, including job performance and relationships. Yeah, not only that, but this sleep deprivation significantly aids in pretty much discrediting the victim as they, you know, sort of appear unorganized and confused. It also screws with their sleep patterns so that they may sleep during the day and then pretty much be awake at night where, you know, the community can paint them as they're the ones making the noise, not the gang stalkers, you know. Because of that, they're a disruptive member of the community. You know, that type of shit. That's messed up. It's like, you don't know if I'm awake or asleep, Catherine, at HOA. You come up into my house. I can see your trash can. You have to put it behind your house. Well, don't fucking look at it then, Catherine. You got a fucking problem. You can take your fucking stupid ass blonde hair, okay? And you can go on with it. You bleach it blonde. You're like 80 years old. You ain't a stripper. Saggy ass titty bitch. Damn, you tell her. You tell her. Is her name really Catherine, though? No, there's nobody in the HOA named Catherine. Oh. Yeah. All right. So another tactic that is used is called baiting or entrapment. Now, this is where victims are harassed to the point that they lash out and try to locate the source of the harassment. Now, during this search of them trying to find out who's harassing them, they sometimes commit crimes such as assault, breaking and entering, or even vandalism. And there is another tactic that is similar to the previous one, except this one's called black bag. Now, this is when a gang stalker breaks into a victim's property and places something or deliberately moves something. Now, the purpose of this is to cause self-doubt and fear that the victim's property is being accessed and causes the victim to become more paranoid. And there you go. Those are some techniques that are used. And most of them are to psychologically harass their victims. And there's actually a term for this. It is called no-touch torture. And it's pretty much to harass the victim, but generating very minimal forensic evidence to go off of so that these gang stalkers will not be investigated. Now, like me and Dan both talked about, sometimes these gang stalkers will actually leave evidence behind, such as a note. And this will kind of fool the targeted individual into thinking that a certain individual is doing it when actually the gang stalker is setting up an innocent person, like a coworker or a friend, to take the fall so that the person that's getting gang stalked thinks, hey, I can't trust my friend because they're the one that's doing it. Pretty much psychological torture. And I know what you're thinking. This seems like a pretty crazy topic. And I bet there's no credibility behind it. You know, most of the people that this occurs to, they're maybe schizophrenic or have a mental illness. To an extent, 
but there are legitimate documented examples of the government, of police stations, of officials doing this to innocent civilians. And we're actually going to go over a few of those documented examples right now. So the first example comes from an unnamed woman in Georgia, as in the state Georgia, not the country Georgia, okay? And we're going to call her Lucy. Now, her gang-stalking story starts off with, and we quote, The stalking started slowly with just a couple of men. They watched me constantly, followed me to restaurants, followed me in daily activities. An example, going to grocery stores, pharmacies, medical appointments, three-day stay in the hospital, they were there. In 2014, the stalking got much more intense, with many people overtly following me, blocking my entry and exit from work and home and pretty much everywhere I traveled. Some covered their license plates, others removed their license plates. Many used personalized license plate with my nickname, Jax, J-A-X. The same vehicle would follow me with the same driver. In 2018, I reported the stalking to Burlingham Police Department. An officer came to my office and chastised me for calling him. I told the officer that one of my stalkers was a tenant who drove a limo whose office was in my building. The suspect would block my entry into the parking lot. He followed me constantly. The officer did not investigate anything. In 2018, I also reported a second stalking by another tenant in my building. The suspect followed me when I went to lunch and blocked and followed me when I got off work. The police officer scolded me and offered to take me to a mental ward and be admitted into a hospital. He asked me for my husband's phone number and called him. The officer told my husband to take care of the matter, but the officer did not tell my husband what the matter was. My husband was very upset and frightened. I did not receive due process in either situation. I was treated in a hateful manner. The automobile vandalism started in 2016, and here is a timeline of it. In February of 2016, I had one of my tires slashed, and it cost me $350. In April of 2016, someone keyed my passenger side door, and that cost me $2,500. In November of 2016, someone keyed my driver's side door, and that cost me another $2,500. In January of 2017, a deliberate hit and run by a driver with a dealer plate, which cost me over $4,000 in damage. In March of 2017, an item was thrown on the road, causing damage of over $5,000. In July of 2017, a scratched door, causing $1,500 in damage. In October of 2017, my windshield was cracked, which caused more than $250 in damage. In January of 2018, I found three nails in my tire, and I bought a Model 3 Tesla that same day. The car was vandalized at the Tesla dealership parking lot, causing over $400 in damage. In March of 2018, a car hood was thrown into the road, causing damages over $4,000 to my vehicle. God damn, imagine a car hood just flying. Boo! Damn. How heavy are car hoods? 
I don't know. Let's look that up. How heavy is a car hood? 30 pounds. Oh, that's not too bad then. But not that bad. 30 pounds. Ain't bad. That- 30 pounds coming at you on a highway and you're traveling 65, 70 miles an hour? I meant someone throwing it. Oh. I was just like, that thing has to be heavy to be thrown. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Bouncing on the highway coming at you while you're going 60, 65 at least. That's devastating. Anyway, what other damages happened to her vehicle? A shit ton. In June of 2018, a punctured tire, another $400. In July of 2018, stolen hose from pool house, $20. In January of 2019, another punctured tire cost another $400. In June of 2019, another car part was thrown into the road, causing over $4,000 in damages. In July of 2019, another tire was punctured, causing $400 in damage. In August of 2019, a chemical was poured onto my windshield, which caused over $50 in damage and an additional cost of cleaning chemicals to get it out. And then in August of 2019, another chemical was poured onto the rear glass, but I was able to rub it out. So there was $0 in damage from that. I have never been diagnosed by mental health professionals as being crazy. As a result of my stalkers in my building, where my office is located, I do not work there on a daily basis. I moved my work to my home office. I do not socialize because of the interference. I have become more reclusive and stay home. I do as much as possible from my home office. And that right there is our first example from the unnamed woman in Georgia. And I must say, if I was her husband and she had that much damage to her car happening that constantly, God dang, dude. Just imagine how much her insurance a month cost. Must be a buttload. All right, so let's get on to the next example, which comes from another unnamed individual, except this person is from California. So their gang stalking story starts off with, and we quote, At the beginning, I thought it was random. The person would make eye contact when they identified me on the streets, then would leave immediately. I didn't know why. Then it became more suspicious when I traveled to other places even out of the country, and I would randomly see the stalkers. They would only make a gesture of identifying me and then leave. I've tried confronting them, but they denied it or avoided any confrontation, pretty much gaslighting me. It's come to a point of an invasion of privacy and harassing me. In 2015, I made a report to the FBI about it. It was a forensic psychologist for the FBI, and she was recording the conversation on her cell phone and just said that I need to go first to the sheriff's department. She would make any notification about the coordinated stalking. I had certain information about unethical practices being carried out in the military on civilians. Before I could inform my superiors, I was called up to go for a medical evaluation. The medical evaluation from the military stated that I was a paranoid schizophrenic. And because of this, I was forced to leave the military. Since then, my friends started treating me differently. I do not have a love life, a job, or a career. I can't even study. When I try, I get harassed. I live only off the VA disabilities. I get migraines, and I used to be physically fit. However, I'm not anymore, and I am being monitored 24-7. 
I have been raped and threatened. Doctors and law enforcement do not care. They just beat around the bush. And that right there was our second example from an individual in California. And the thing that I found very odd about this story is how this individual stated that they have certain information about unethical practices being carried out in the military on civilians. However, before they could inform their superiors, they were randomly called up for a medical eval, told that they had paranoid schizophrenia, and was forced to leave the military. That's crazy. That is odd. Yep. Our next example comes from another unnamed individual, and this person is also from California. Their gang-stalking story starts off with, and we quote, In late 2018 and early 2019, I stopped an organization from stealing an enormous amount of data from a major corporate conglomerate where I worked. Almost instantly, I started being stalked by multiple unknown persons, and then I lost my job. I also lost my apartment, my car, and I am having to live with my parents now, which is five hours away from my kids. I have debilitating PTSD in regards to this event. The crime itself was reported to the San Jose Police Department around March of 2019. However, nothing was done and I am still being stalked. <laughs> Imagine stopping an organization from stealing an enormous amount of data from your job. And then all of a sudden you get fired and stalked. That's kind of scary. That is kind of scary. Mm. So those three examples right there just give you a better understanding of the various ways individuals are being gang stalked. And also like how one was military, you know, the other one had uh, been stalked by supposedly corporate interests and how the other one just claims that they're being stalked. That just kind of gives you a warm up, okay? Because now we're going to go into strange facts and findings where we discuss some bizarre things that we uncovered. All right, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Now, this first strange fact and finding is about a government program that was uncovered that pretty much blows the lid on all this. Well, in my opinion, it does. It shows that it, hey, this shit is happening, okay? So, Dan, why don't you tell us about this? All right, so the first strange fact I'm finding, so this program was called COINTELPRO. It was a series of covert illegal activity that the FBI conducted during surveillance, infiltration, discreditation, and the disruption of domestic political organizations. Now, how was this secret program uncovered? Well, let's go back to March 8th of 1971. On that day, a group of eight activists, which included a cab driver, a daycare provider, ended up breaking into an FBI office in Pennsylvania. They stole more than 1,000 classified documents and then decided to anonymously mail these documents to a bunch of different U.S. papers. They picked this day because most people were stuck to their radios listening to the fight of the century between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. So everyone was preoccupied. So this was the day to do it. Yep. So just a little knowledge nugget for y'all. So these documents that they mailed off revealed the FBI's counterintelligence program called COINTELPRO. Now this program had a manual for organized gang stalking operations. 
So FBI's COINTELPRO, Operation Gladio, NATO Stay Behind Armies, and ongoing global U.S. military unconventional psy war and information war operations. So there was a lot of manuals for some different shit, okay? But the main thing was, was they had a manual for organized gang stalking operations. It's crazy. It is. And in this manual, chapter 18 specifically is an overview of harassment methods used by the COINTELPRO and Project Gladio and etc. Under the general in this chapter, it states this and we quote, Operations in general are of the active surveillance type. Passive surveillance is watching a target covertly to obtain information about the target. Active surveillance can include information gathering, but it also includes the agent making the target aware that they are under surveillance. Beyond active surveillance, agents perform acts to keep the target uncomfortable around the clock. Although operations are silently approved of and covered by the official justice system, they are not seen as criminal in nature by citizens who do not have a strong sense of right and wrong. Agents must take great care of each and every act of punishment. This means that should the target complain to the police or any other officials or friends or neighbors or family members, doctors, anything like that, the nature of the punishment must be seen as the target's overactive imagination or better yet, an indication that the target is mentally ill. The system has worked for years to recruit the medical establishment to help maintain deniability. And today, most targets are immediately labeled as mentally ill and often forced onto antipsychotic medication when they complain. But their agents must still do their part skillfully to perform acts of punishment so that almost anyone the target complains to will deny a crime has taken place. The system has been blessed with advanced technology which enables heavy punishment at times the target is in their home, silently, through walls, and this is very deniable. Agents must pass their initial training and demonstrate a high level of commitment to maintain community safety and the ability to operate deniability before they will be considered for advanced electronic punishment training. Jesus. Electronic punishment training is beyond the scope of this manual. And that's the little end of our quote from that freaking manual. That's crazy. And that right there actually fits into the regular episode, if you think about it. It absolutely does, which is over the Havana Syndrome. It's a great episode. Check it out. So, yeah, it goes on like that, talking about what to do while doing surveillance and intercepts where they would cross paths with the targets so that they realize they are being watched. Then that is when they would start making the target feel uncomfortable, even more by having more agents crossing their path. But that right there proves that this gang stalking actually exists and our government has a manual on how to perform it. I would say this is crazy to think about, but it honestly doesn't really surprise us anymore now. Not at all. It does not surprise me at all. Initially, I admit I was a bit skeptical. But after digging into it, I was like, yep, you know what? It doesn't really surprise me that the government's doing this. It explains why my wiener gets touched every single time I go to the airport. Okay? Yeah. 
So there you go. That right there proves that the government is doing it. Now, I know how we mentioned that the police sometimes is involved in it. And we have a good example of this, which is our next strange fact and finding. And it is about a story of 51-year-old John Lang from Fresno, California, and his experience with exposing police corruption and then being gang-stalked by them, which ended up in a bizarre, tragic way. Before we get into that, we're going to take a break. It's our last one, so don't go nowhere. All right, welcome back. Now, we do have the entire start of what happened, and it's all written out by John himself. So John says, and we quote, My situation started back in 2009. I was having trouble in my marriage. Then I was ticketed two blocks away from the Home Depot on West Shaw in Fresno, where I had just visited. I later learned that Fresno law enforcement had a pattern of practice of unethically scanning license plates on private retail parking lots. They would then pull the unsuspecting drivers over a block or two away from the said parking lots. This was meant to optimize ticket revenue at a very minimal expense. Millions of dollars of revenue has been generated in this questionable manner by Fresno area law enforcement agencies. A pattern of practice that is still in use today by Fresno law enforcement. The added financial stress related to this incident crippled what was left of my marriage. I was devastated, angry, and upset. I thought the parking lot license plate scanning was abusive and simply designed as a revenue-generating scheme for the city of Fresno. So as an expression of peaceful protest, I decided to voice my opinion on the Fresno Bee, which I now realize was a mistake. Was the Fresno Bee a newspaper? It was an internet form that was ran by like sort of like a newspaper. Ah, gotcha. I thought I was anonymous, but an employee at the Fresno Bee, Jody Murray, was feeding a known sheriff sergeant who used the alias Hiker Dude 67 or Hiker Dude 1967. Website log data containing the identifiable IP address information that Fresno law enforcement used to track down Fresno citizens who were posting comments critical of the Fresno law enforcement and the city of Fresno. Preliminary identification identifies Hiker Dude 1967 as Jared L. McCormick, a Fresno County Sheriff Sergeant. Within weeks, I was vehicle-tailed by an undercover sheriff's officer who were routinely waiting on the street near my home. One individual I recognized by his very unique hair and facial features was the same sheriff personnel who, a few years later, followed me into a Save Mart grocery store located at Clinton and Blackstone. Fresno PD was also occasionally following me as well, although their harassment participation was exponentially growing. In 2013 and 2014, I was being followed very frequently by the Fresno PD and the Fresno Sheriff's personnel. The frequency was so high that both agencies had obviously GPSed my car or my phone. They seemed to be popping up everywhere. I also believe that Fresno law enforcement, you know, both PD and the Sheriff's Department, was also tapping my phone and my ex-wife's phone, either illegally or by obtaining a warrant under false premise or claims. 
I later learned from other commenters on the Fresno Bee that other posters who were known to be critical of the Fresno law enforcement and the city of Fresno were also being targeted by Fresno law enforcement. I learned that the Fresno law enforcement, including Fresno PD and Fresno sheriff personnel, had a pattern of harassment and intimidation against citizens who criticized them. There were many posters discussing this problem of Fresno law enforcement retaliation for speaking out about Fresno police abuses. The surveillance and harassment peaked about a year and a half ago or when Measure G was on the ballot. I was a fairly well-known commenter on the Fresno Bee and had over 2,500 comments and over 3,000 likes. I was a fierce opponent against Mayor Ashley Swearingen's Measure G campaign. I was also critical of Fresno law enforcement and the other city of Fresno departments. I now realize this was not a good idea. I had a target on my back and Fresno PD and the Sheriff's Department were going to stop at nothing to get me, even if it meant breaking the law and violating my civil rights. Months later, the Fresno Bee switched their comment system to a Facebook-only setup, and 90% of their commenters left. After this transition, I terminated my posting on the Bee and sent an email to the Bee editor, Jim Borden, on September 13, 2013 and September 17, 2013. I explained to him that a Bee employee named Jody Murray was sharing the IP log data of the Fresno Bee commenters with Fresno Sheriff personnel and that they were harassing these folks who were posting comments on this website. I also sent an email to a Sacramento Bee reporter on 3-24-14. Regarding the same allegation, neither of the two replied back to me. After I sent those emails, simple vehicle tailing harassment escalated into something more serious. I operate a small marine repair shop and recently I have received numerous calls regarding fake emission stickers which allow boaters to bypass gross polluter laws on personal watercraft vessels. I had never heard of these fake stickers before and I've never before had phone calls from new customers discussing illegal activities with me. I had nearly five of these calls in a three-day period. Hmm, seems like they were trying to set them up. Sounds like it. After that statement on his website, he goes into a timeline of the harassment that has happened to him. Starting on December 1st of 2014, all the way until April of 2015. Now, we will provide a link to all of these occurrences, and the majority of them are extremely odd. Yeah, for an example, uh, he has multiple videos from his security camera outside that shows the Fresno police just walking around his property and then just straight up leaving. And this just doesn't happen like once. This happens multiple times per day and even at night, you know, so it's, it's a little weird. Now, one of the weirdest things that occurs happened on April 14th of 2015. Captured on a security camera, there is a Fresno sheriff checking his driveway. The officer then texts somebody, gets in his vehicle, and then leaves. The following day, on April 15th, 2015, John ended up posting a video of what appears to be the security camera footage of a van pulling up next to his home opening its sliding door and a person is sitting in the back of this van and pointing this odd device towards John's home. 
and we have a screenshot of that van along with the device and the person, and we also have that security cam footage. Of course, we'll link both of those up for anyone that wants to take a look at it. But it looks like a freaking camera that they use for filming, you know? It kind of does. Damn, it is weird, though. Now, this harassment would continue on, and John kept trying to get the word out by posting about it on Facebook. On January 13th of 2016, John would make a post on Facebook explaining why the Fresno police were after him. The following day, on January 14th, 2016, John made another Facebook post that said, and I quote, Just wanted to give you guys a heads up. If anything happens to me in the next day or two, it will be the result of the Fresno Police Department, my neighbor, and an employee at my job at Payless Brakes and Tires on Blackstone. And we have the screenshot of his Facebook post. At least someone was nice enough saying, sending prayers to your, sending prayers of protection your way. God be with you. And he says, thank you, dot, dot, dot. The following day on January 15th, 2016, John reached out to Corin Hoggard, who is a news reporter in Fresno. John claimed that the Fresno cops would try to kill him in the next few days. The next day on January 16th, 2016, John made a Facebook post that said, Anyone want to crash at my pad tonight? Must be a legal gun owner. I think the bad guys may come and get me tonight. Someone commented and said, WTF? As in, what the fuck? What do you mean? And then John commented back and said, totally serious. Is there any serious patriots out there? I've seen a couple of guys sneak into the vacant building next to me. I've been under some threats recently because of my activism lately. Now, four days later, on January 20th, 2016, a call came into 911. John's house was on fire. The fire department showed up and battled the fire. Inside, they found John's lifeless body, and he was pronounced dead. Now, it was initially reported by the Fresno police that John Lang's body had been stabbed in his abdomen and upper back. Now, because of this, homicide detectives ended up starting an investigation. However, a few months later, in April of 2016, Tony Body, who was a spokesman for the Fresno County Sheriff and Fresno County Coroner, he went in front of a news conference and stated that John Lang had, and I quote, three superficial self-inflicted stab wounds to his chest and no cuts on his back, despite initial reports by law enforcement. Also, he stated that the coroner had ruled the death of John Lang as a suicide and that John had started the fire himself. Right. Dude, so when I sunk my teeth into this story, I was thinking, eh, okay, this John Lang guy, maybe he's suffering from a mental illness. But when he posted all of this camera footage, the security footage, and you see all these weird claims and these weird vehicles, and you see the proof that the police department's doing this to him for him exposing their basically illegal scanning of license plates in private retail parking lots, it makes you wonder, like, what else is the Fresno police doing, you know? Damn. Yeah. I remember reading up that the guy in the van that Cameron was using, I want to say someone said that looked like an infrared camera. Yes. And John had made multiple other claims stating that they constantly scan his house with an infrared camera to see if he's home. How dare they? 
Yeah. All right, so let's get on to our next strange fact in finding, which is just as good as the last one, in my opinion. Uh, but it's not as long. So this strange fact in finding is about voice-to-skull technology and the United States military posting about this technology on their website and then removing it. <laughs> so back in 2008, you could go to the United States' Army website and under their weapons section, they stated that they had a voice-to-skull device and that this device was able to send basically a voice. It was a neuroelectromagnetic device which used microwave transmissions of sounds into the skull of a person or animal by the way of a pulse-modulated microwave radiation. So a silent sound device which can transmit sound into the skull of a person to make them think that they're hearing voices. Now, if you Google it, you can see that the United States Army had this up on their website. But if you go to the link, their link is 404, it's dead. Uh, and another weird thing that I found is I tried pulling it up on like the Internet Archive. And usually when you go to the Internet Archive, you can view websites that have been previously crawled by Google. Yeah. Every single time that Google crawled it, it was marked red, as in it was erased. Ooh. Yeah. So you can no longer see it anymore on the website. But they did have it up there. Voice-to-skull technology. It exists, ladies and gentlemen. That's kind of scary. It is. Speaking of scary, let's talk about our next strange fact and finding, which is about three individuals and three exact claims. In 2013, 30-year-old Myron May was living in Florida, graduated from Florida State, and was working as an attorney. Everything seemed to be going great for him. However, in November of 2014, 31-year-old Myron May shot and wounded three students, leaving one paralyzed, with a 380 semi-automatic pistol inside a Florida State University library. The Tallahassee police officers responded to the scene in which Myron May dared them to kill him and fired a shot in their direction. Of course, the Tallahassee police officers responded and opened fire on him and shot him dead. Damn. Shortly before his rampage, Myron sent an email that said, I've been getting hit with a direct energy weapon in my chest all evening. It hurts really bad right now. He also left a voicemail that said, I am currently being cooked in my chair. I devised a scheme where I was going to expose this once and for all. It was also discovered that Myron made several posts on a Facebook page for targeted individuals. Now, one of these posts included him saying, and we quote, Has anyone here ever been encouraged by your handler to kill with a promise of freedom? alluding to the fact that, hey, he has a handler, and uh, that handler was telling him to kill people and he can be free. Damn. Yeah. All right, keep Myron May in the back of your mind, okay? Now let's move on and talk about Aaron Alexis. So in September of 2013, 34-year-old Aaron Alexis, who previously was in the Navy and currently worked as a military contractor, 
opened fire and killed 12 people at a Washington Navy yard in Southeast DC. Now, Aaron left behind documents in which he claimed the Navy had been attacking his brain using extremely low frequency electromagnetic waves. And to be perfectly honest, that is what has driven me to this, is what Aaron said. Of course, he was killed in a shootout with the police. All right, let's move forward and talk about 29-year-old Gavin Long, who was a United States Marine. In July of 2016, Gavin ambushed law enforcement officers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, killing three and injuring three others. Gavin was then killed in a police shootout. When individuals started looking into Gavin, they found out that he had written online that he was a targeted individual and claimed that the government had been watching him for 11 years. Also, he made claims that the law enforcement was helping them, and that is why he was going to do what he did. All right, so we have all three individuals, right? You have Myron May, who was the attorney. You have Aaron Alexis, who was a uh, person in the military, who was then uh, turned into a military contractor. And then you have Gavin Long, who was a Marine. Now, all of these individuals were also African-Americans, all around the same age, and all of them claiming to be victims of electronic attacks by the government, who say they killed people because of the effects of those attacks. Now, their crimes were committed within a period of less than three years of each other. And it kind of makes you wonder, did the internet groups, you know, the targeted individual groups, did they feed into their delusions, you know, and kind of encourage it? Or do the claims of them saying, hey, we're being electronically attacked, do they have some merit behind them? You know, it makes you wonder. And before we get into those theories, we have one more strange fact and finding to talk about. Dan, why don't you tell us about this one? Our last strange fact and finding that we're going to cover is over a no-touch torture report that was written by a Dr. Robert Duncan in 2015. It states, and we quote, The full report discloses the spectrum of techniques of interrogation and torture used by the U.S. and its allies. The United States government will officially deny the claims of this no-touch torture report, but in time, it will stand firm. It goes on to talk about the 18 different types of tortures and compares those methods between the physical and no-touch torture ways. Now, there are a total of 18 different tactics that they use, but we will only talk about a few of them, but nonetheless, they are all still pretty bad. So number one is induction of depressive manic states. Now, the idea for this one is to shake up the emotional state of the target slash victim. They believe different information can be gathered at different emotional states a person is in. So making them feel despair or hopelessness is the objective. Speech is the key to this one. They will say things like, We have imprisoned you without due processes or hope of it. You are indefinitely detained. Then of course they want to build up hope to break it down by saying, Sorry, we have mistaken you for someone else. You will be compensated for false imprisonment and torture. Which they aren't allowed to do torture, but hey, government's not allowed to do a lot of things, but they still do it, you know? That's true. Number two is sexually disturbing pornography. This one is pretty bad. They are forced to perform sexual acts on each other against their will and religion. What do you mean on each other? So, 
I'm guessing if there were multiple ones that they had that were detained, that were detained, they would make them do sexual acts on each other. Oh, good Lord. But yeah, that's just the physical side of it. The no touch method is more of voices saying derogatory things against their type of lifestyle and showing them similar mental images. They end up telling you and showing you the opposite of what your preference is. This reminds me of Kyle Odom. That's true. We did an episode over him. That's a great episode. If you haven't listened to it, go look it up. Call Odom. It's a great one. All right. So the number three one is sensory overload and deprivation. So this is one of the main methods of torture around the world. The no-touch method for this is to want the target's brain to produce lots of dopamine, which causes pupil dilation, which acts as a sensory overload. Now, using non-lethal microwaves can cause sensory overload by messing with the body's metabolism, which causes cold and hot flashes. Plus, the target usually ends up having to hear endless tinnitus from this torture method, which in itself is absolutely horrible. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with tinnitus, but it sucks. I have. I don't like it. Yeah. Number four is stress positions. This method is about putting the target in positions that cause the body great stress. Usually to do this, they would handcuff a person with their hands above their heads for days at a time, and that would do the trick. But with no touch, they would play torture signals at the target, giving them pots and pans to hold to block the signal. Playing the signal for long periods of time forces the target to hold the pots and pans up to block the signal to get relief. Then they would tell the target, you're doing it to yourself. It's not us. Damn. Uh, of course, like we said, there are another 14 different methods, but I think, I mean, these four pretty much give you a good idea of how shitty this is, okay? And uh, one of the final things in this report is that it states that they prefer the no-touch torture for exposing support networks. Now, usual methods require the target to be locked away in a secret prison with no contact with the people, but in no-touch torture the target is left free so that they can contact anyone that can help them. This in turn allows them to narrow down on the whole support network. And if you want to read this report, we will link it in the Patreon post for all to see it. Also, here is a bonus interview that we found with Dr. Robert Duncan. It's over an hour long. If you want to watch it, you can. And we'll provide the link for it. Yep. So there you go. That is all of our strange facts and findings about gang stalking. Now, let's get into the theories, okay? So, this first theory that we're going to talk about is pretty much the obvious one. It's called government. So, this theory is that government or law enforcement agencies are gang-stalking individuals for either exposing for what they're doing as in corruption or as an experiment or because these individuals know something that they shouldn't. Now, as we can tell, the FBI teaching individuals on how to stalk people without getting caught or seen by the targeted individual. They know ways to deny what they were doing and to sort of like get away with it. And then also you have the law enforcement that retaliate against people reporting issues against them so that they sort of like drive these individuals crazy. I mean, we saw many examples of that already. Yeah. Uh, John Lang's perfect example. Just disgusting. And honestly, this really wouldn't even be a theory. I mean, this is proven that this happened. So this is not a theory, okay? Very true. Yeah. Now, the next one is probably the most common one, 
And when you don't look into gang stalking, a lot of people assign this to it. Which our next theory is that these cases of gang stalking are from a mental illness like schizophrenia. Many of the people that are believed to be gang stalked end up going to a counselor and end up getting put on medication to help them. And I mean, that's the number one thing that people, when they go to a counselor, they say like, oh, I think these people are following me. They're messing with me. It's like they're automatically discredited, discredited. And there's like, you might have schizophrenia. Here's some medication. This will help you out. And they don't actually look into it. No. And nobody will take anyone serious if they say they're being stalked by somebody. Now, hold on. Let me back up. And this is not a, any hate against women, okay? If a woman goes up and says, hey, I'm being stalked by an individual, you're going to believe her. If a man comes up to you and says, hey, I'm being stalked by an individual, you're going to think he has a mental illness. True. It is the way society is, and that's the way the government wants majority of individuals to believe. It allows them to get away with this. It allows them to do this gang stalking and this no-touch torture on individuals. It's another way of control. So, yeah, this mental illness, I think it does play a role to an extent, though. I do think there are individuals out there that are suffering from mental illnesses that believe they are being gang-stalked, but are not. However, I do think that if a person does state they're being gang-stalked, I don't think they should automatically be labeled as mentally ill. I mean, you need to see what they have as proof. I mean, a perfect example of that would be that one individual we, we looked into, Kip LaCroix in Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah, that one. That dude uh, has an entire website, and he has all the documentation about the Austin Police Department doing gang stalking on him. And I went to his gang stalking YouTube channel and scrolled down and scrolled down and scrolled down. There was thousands of videos of him talking like out there, okay, having like a mental breakdown and talking crazy and he's not providing any proof, it makes you kind of, eh, you know. I've seen a lot of videos that I watched when trying to search this up that, all right, if I walked onto, say, the subway, I have a GoPro holding it on, holding it on one of those GoPro sticks and I'm pointing at people. Sooner or later, a person's going to look, be like, what are they doing? And then that's when the person's just like, see, this person made eye contact with me. They're gang stalking me. That's the same thing with like, hey, you start thinking about a certain colored car. And then when you drive down the road, you start to see that colored car. So I think it plays into the role. But you still, because of that reason alone, you can't say that the government or police officers or even like this next theory, big corporations aren't the ones that are doing it. Yeah. So. This theory is that the big corp is behind gang stalking. They, with the help of probably the government, are making people feel like they are being stalked so that they would be prescribed medicine for a mental illness. Then they profit off of the doctors prescribing their medication that they are producing. So pretty much Big Pharma is purposely gang stalking individuals so that they can be prescribed these medications that they are making so that they can increase their profits. Yeah. I like that. See the you can't just narrow it down to one because I think it, all of this plays a role in it. I think all of this happens. I mean, it happens all over the world. It's not like just in the United States. It's happening everywhere. Yeah, and it's not just with the United States government. Like Dan was saying, Big Pharma, even in another country, could be doing this to its own citizens. Other governments could be doing it. 
even police officers and stuff to help cover up crimes, you know, it's, it's all of them. But it doesn't change the fact that, hey, there's also mental illness out there and also there are real stalkers that could be mistaken, you know, as multiple or maybe even human trafficking. Maybe these people that think they're being gang stalked are actually being uh, monitored by a network of human traffickers that are just like building up a database saying, hey, do you want this woman or do you want this guy or do you want this kid? Picked him out of our catalog. Okay, well, we're going to go kidnap him now because we monitored everywhere that they go. Damn. Yeah. But regardless, I, I think it's a mixture of all of them. I can't button down and say it's all mental illness. It's all the government. It's all the police. It's all big corporations, big pharma or human trafficking network. It's a mixture of everything. You just can't narrow it down because all of it makes sense. I mean, we've seen evidence of all of it. Yeah. I have to ask you a question. Have you talked to anyone who has been gang stalked or claimed to have been gang stalked? I have not. Okay. I have. And I'm not going to name this individual, but this individual is very intelligent and works in the medical industry. And it's not like they could have got their degree by being dumb. This person is smart. Uh, this person has not been uh, declared as having any, any mental illness. But some of their claims are pretty, um, makes you take a step back and think, I wonder what's really going on here, you know, such as invisible individuals in cloaks taking advantage of them uh, and other things. I, I won't go into super detail, but stuff like that, that really makes you wonder what's truly going on behind the scenes. I bet you it's way more odd than we can ever imagine. Probably. Anyway, if uh, you or a loved one are being gang-stalked or suspect that you're being gang-stalked, please send us an email, but don't just say, hey, I'm being gang-stalked, I suspect it. Come with the proof, okay? I want to see the proof. Set up security cameras, document it for me, show me the proof, and then tell me why they are gang-stalking you. I would love to hear about it. Always love exposing corruption at every chance I can get. Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add to today's episode before you roll into free talk? Uh, have you gone to Reddit and looked up gang stalking on there? Yes, I have. Have you seen some of the things that people have said that they they tried to what's the word? I guess like instigate their gang stalkers. I, I read a couple posts that one guy, he was just like, he's tired of it all. He supposedly is in contact with his gang stalker, which I'm guessing is just one person the handler or leader or whatever, and he told him, like, straight up, just come kill me. It, here's the thing. There is documented proof that the FBI has sent out and contacted mentally ill individuals who are legally mentally ill and have acted as their handler of sorts to get them to do certain things. For an example, there was a family who had a son who was mentally ill, and they found out that their son was talking to this guy who was telling him to do certain things, such as go get a gun and shoot up this school. They found out that this guy was the FBI telling their son to do this. This is a proven fact. It's proven. So it's like, what is the purpose of that? Are they pushing a certain agenda? It is weird. I mean, honestly, just going on the Reddit uh, forum and looking up gang stalk, people post a lot of proof, a lot of evidence on there, and then some of them are just, you know, like you said, 
I'm being gang stalked. No evidence at all. Yeah, I think our evidence of being gang stalked is the truck driving back and forth. And then every time we go fly somewhere, we always get patted down, like a full pat down. Yeah. Oh, and they go through all my stuff. For an example, one of the TSA agents, I had my laptop in my bag and he scanned my laptop multiple times after I got my dick touched by him. Scanned it multiple times. And he said, uh, what's this right here? And he pointed at it on the monitor. And you could see like all the parts and pieces of the laptop. And he pointed at the battery. I said, that's the battery. He said, can you remove it so I can see it? I said, no, I can't remove it. If I remove it, it breaks the warranty seals. And I'm not going to break the warranty seals. I'm going to keep them intact. And he's like, that might be a bomb. I said, how many MacBooks you got coming through here a day? I guarantee you over 500 or 1,000, probably more. Do you ask every single one of them to remove the battery? He's like, no. I'm like, there's nothing different about this MacBook. Finally, he was like, oh, okay, go ahead and take it. See, I don't like TSA. I went and bought one of those TSA approved locks to where they have like the little master key that they can use to open it. Guess how they opened mine? They cut it. They cut it. And when I got my bag, there was no lock on it. I had one of the TSA agents tell me to shut the fuck up while I was standing in the line. I was kind of shocked. I was like, what? I wasn't even talking to anybody. He turned and looked at me and said, shut the fuck up. I, I was kind of shocked. I, I was just standing there. And the old lady behind me was like, did he say that to you? And I was like, I guess he did. But yeah the TSA and the HOA you know what now I remember it was when we flew up to Maine and we did the all the recording together Mm -hmm. I had all my recording equipment in there that's when they cut my TSA lock and all the equipment as expensive as as it is I had it packed in there so it's carefully you know padded that shit was everywhere dude my dad uh packed away a digital camera this was before iPhones. This was like 2003, 2002. Those big ass digital cameras? Yeah, he bought a brand new one to take up to Maine with us so he could get pictures. And uh, he put it in his luggage. And then whenever he picked his luggage up at the airport, you know, whenever it came down the little thing, he opened it up and his camera was gone. So I yanked it. Sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway, if you or a loved one have had a bad experience with TSA, send us an email. We'd love to hear about it. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, I guess that's the end of gang stalkings. And uh, now we're going to move on to free talk. So, Dan, I know you're feeling like absolute shit. So I'll keep this free talk kind of short. Yes. How was your weekend? Honestly, the weekend was great. Had fun. We went to pinballs. Is that what it was called? Yeah, it was called pinballs. Uh my aunt came down to visit uh, Caleb and we all went to pinballs and had some hot wings and played some games and uh, yeah, had a good old time. It was a great time. Some of the games though, the classic arcades ones, they uh, stole my money, but that's all right. Yeah. Some of those were kind of busted up. The ones in the far back and the place itself was kind of inexpensive. It was actually. Yeah. I think I paid like $75 for my game card and they were charging like $2 per each play of a pinball machine. And it's like, whoa, I mean, you should make these things like 25 cents or maybe like 10 cents, something like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. So I picked that pinball machine beside you. Remember uh, when we first got there, it was like something Tommy. I don't know. Never heard of it, but I was just like, this one looked kind of cool. I had to scan twice to get to play and then it automatically hit my ball. And then for like, I think it was like two minutes, nothing happened. 
So I'm just sitting there waiting like, did this game just take my money? Then all of a sudden, three or four balls got shot out at once. Damn, you're doing the freaking maximum spins. I guess so. I didn't do anything. I just like stood there just like, did this game just break? <laughs> it's like, okay, do I walk away? I stay? And all of a sudden, it just started up again. Then I got trolled by a very small kid. Punch you in your dick? No, it actually was worse than that, I'd say. I was playing one of those crane games, and it had like a bu- the rolls of tickets in there. I had gotten a, t- a roll of ticket. It caught it, started pulling it up, and I saw this lady with her kid. They were standing like kind of to the back right of the machine. The kid looked, and then I saw him like reach down. He yanked the damn power cord. That son of a bitch. Did you kick him? No, I like stood there. I looked at him, and then I looked at the mom, and the mom pretended to be on the phone. She looked, looked at me, then turned around. I'm just staring, and then all of a sudden, it comes back on. The crane opens up to reset, drops the tickets right where it was, and I'm just looking. I'm like, are you serious? Damn. You know what? I don't blame her. I would have done the same thing. I would have pretended I would be on the phone and be like, oh, sorry, gotta go. (laughs) I was so mad. Speaking of children, let me tell you about my experience camping. Ah. All right. So I decided, hey, I'm going to take my son out camping, okay? It's the weekend. We're going to camp from Friday night to Sunday morning. It's going to be good father-son time, father-son bonding, okay? I get a tent. I get some brand-new sleeping bags. I get a bunch of food, get some stuff to cook on the fire. You know, I'm all decked out in my camping gear, okay? Go to the camping spot. Not the best of place, okay? Felt like I was at uh, Slab City or something, if you're familiar with that. I am not. It's a really sketchy place. Ah. Anyways, we get there at like 6.30-ish Friday night. Sun's going down. My priority is getting the tent up. Hurry up and get the tent up. Gather firewood. Start a fire. Cook some hot dogs. My son's like, my stomach don't feel good. You should probably eat these hot dogs. We haven't ate in a while since lunch. It's around like 7.30. You should eat, and then we'll lay down and go to sleep. And then tomorrow, we'll go to the river, which is 200 yards from where we were camping. And we planned on going to the river and just fishing all day and just kind of hanging out, spending time together, you know, teaching him about life. So he eats his hot dogs, and he's like, you know what? I, f- I feel a little better. I'm like, I'm glad you feel better, man. He's like, you want to go to sleep? I'm like, yeah, okay. So I got a big six-person tent. Go in the tent, lay down, get in our sleeping bags. I finally go to sleep at like 10.30. 15 minutes later, I am awoken to the warm splatter of juices on me, along with a stench of rotten hot dogs. My son had projectile vomited all inside the tent, everywhere, straight up exorcist. I uh, started gagging because the stench was so bad, and he was like, I'm sorry. I said, well, our entire tent is covered. All of our blankets are covered. Our only pillows are covered. Fuck it. It's 10.45. I said, we're packing everything up. We're leaving. But what about you paid for the, like, the day tomorrow? And everything? I said, I don't care at this point. I threw away the little sleeping bags. They weren't that expensive. They were like 20 bucks. Threw them away. Cleaned out the tent the best I could. Folded everything up. Truck packed by 11.30 and I was on the road. Came back home by... By uh, 1 o'clock that night and went to bed. Yeah, it wasn't a great experience of camping. But there you go. Oh, what it is to be like in the outdoors. Makes you throw up sometimes. That it does. 
yeah. Anyways, uh, that's pretty much my weekend, uh, getting thrown up on and then uh, playing some pinballs. So, yeah. Let's see, what else did we do? We went to the thrift shop again on Saturday. I didn't go. I was sleeping. Yeah, you got back from pretending to go camping. <laughs> hey, it was an attempt to go camping, okay? Yeah, but we went out, then we went back down to Y'all's Down Cafe. That place is pretty good. I like it. Food's good. The manager there's got a <laughs> manager can look in two different spots at once. That he can. But real nice guy though. Extremely nice. Great food. Great food. I love it. But yeah, um today we bought a new computer, saved up our pennies, and we were able to purchase well, we say a new, it's a used computer on Facebook Marketplace for editing our videos because our other computers were just shutting down when I was trying to edit. We didn't have strong enough computers, so we've been saving up our pennies. Finally found a computer we could afford that was decent enough on Facebook Marketplace. Went there and purchased it from the guy today. Got it all hooked up. Damn thing works like a charm, so I'm excited. Hell yeah. All right, well, that's all I pretty much got for free talk. I think that's pretty much it. Well, I hope you get feeling better, Dan. Drink your Gatorade. By Gator Light Rapid Hydration. By the way, uh, make sure you send all the good energy to Dan. He needs it to recover. We don't need him down and out for the next week. Yeah, this kind of snuck up on me. It did. It started this morning or last night? It started last night to where like a little bit of like an itch in my throat. That's how my started. Son of a bitch. Who have you been around? Oh, we went to that pinballs. That's a nasty ass place. Did you wash your hands before you you ate? I did. Okay. That I did. All right. I don't know. I was just like, can it actually get to me that fast? And I was looking it up and it's like, yeah, like two to 14 days. I was like, holy shit. Don't want it again. Anyways. All right. We're ending this. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing. I love each and every single one of you. I am proud of each and every one of you. If you're having troubles, if you're having suicidal thoughts or anything like that, make sure to reach out to somebody. And just remember that you are loved and don't do anything bad, okay? And we're proud of you. Yes, we are proud of you. So that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. <laughs>